right, we are going to start the City of Iowa City's formal meeting for May 16th, 2023. It is 6 p.m. I'm gonna call this meeting to order. Roll call, please. Alter. Here. Burgess. Here. Dunn. Here. Armson. Here. Taylor. Here. Teague. Here. Thomas. Here. All right, well, welcome to all the counselors once again and to everyone that is here present and those that are virtually uh, tuning in right now. The first, I, the second item are proclamations and 2A is National Gun Violence Awareness Day and this will be read by Counselor Burgess who is in orange today. Whereas every day, more than 120 Americans are killed by gun violence and more than 200 are shot and wounded, with an average of more than 17,000 gun homicides every year, making Americans 26 times more likely to die by gun homicide than people in other high-income countries. And whereas Iowa has 323 gun deaths every year with a rate of 10 deaths per 100,000 people, a crisis that costs our state 40, sorry, $4.2 billion each year, of which $53 million is paid by taxpayers. Iowa has the 41st highest rate of gun deaths in the U.S. And whereas support for the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens goes hand-in-hand hand with keeping guns away from people with dangerous histories, and whereas mayors and law enforcement officers, in partnership with local violence intervention activists and resources, know their communities best, are most familiar with local criminal activity and how to address it, and are best positioned to understand how to keep their citizens safe. And whereas gun violence prevention is more important than ever as we see an increase in firearm homicides and non-fatal shootings across the country, increased calls to domestic violence hotlines, and an increase in city gun violence. And whereas on January, uh, in January 2013, Hadia Pendleton was tragically shot and killed at age 15, and on June 2nd, 2023, to recognize her 26th birthday, people across the United States will recognize National Gun Violence Awareness Day and wear orange in tribute to her and other victims of gun violence, an idea inspired by a group of her friends who asked classmates to commemorate her life by wearing orange, choosing this color because hunters in the field or the woods wear orange to announce themselves to other hunters, and orange is a color that symbolizes the value of human life. And whereas, by wearing orange on June 2nd, 2023, Americans will raise awareness about senseless gun violence, honor the lives of gun violence victims and survivors, and commit to work with evidence-based solutions to reduce gun violence, pledging to do all we can to keep our families and communities safe. Now, therefore, on behalf of Bruce Teague, Mayor of Iowa City, I do hereby proclaim the first Friday in June, June 2nd, 2023, to be National Gun Violence Awareness Day, and I encourage all citizens to support their local community's efforts to prevent the tragic effects of gun violence and honor the value of human lives. Accepting this proclamation will be Monica Maloney-Mitros and other Moms Demand Action. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mary Teague, for making the proclamation and Councillor Burgess for reading that. And I am addressing 
the city council members, all those here present this evening, Mayor Teague, and all of those who may be on Zoom or will see this meeting in the future. I am here representing Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America, and I'd like to take a short time. We've already heard the statistics, the heartbreaking statistics. I'm not going to repeat that, but I want to ask you to honor Hadia, hearing her story tonight. And what I want you to know is that we can take action to reduce gun violence beginning right here in our community. On Wear Orange Day, step out wearing orange. Take a friend with you. That will grow the movement. Wear orange to show that you value each person's life. Wear orange to show you want to honor those killed, those wounded, and everyone impacted by gun violence. Wear orange to call for an end to gun violence, advocating for a future free from gun violence. And then, after wearing orange, or as you wear orange, continue that weekend and into the week and take action. Positive action. Join with community partners such as DVIP and NAMI as they advocate for support to those who are experiencing gun or domestic violence or who need additional funds and care for health mental issues. Participate in the Be Smart program, a program to educate gun owners to lock their guns, to keep their ammunition separate from guns so that our children and young people who may be discouraged in the moment cannot instantly get a gun and cause gun violence and such agony for all involved. Write, call, text, repeat. Write, call, text your legislatures to tell them to support common sense gun laws and to ask them to vote no on those that are not, that will not promote safety. Support your neighborhood events, strengthening our community. Use your social media to text and promote gun safety measures. Check in on our Moms Demand Action Iowa Johnson County Facebook page to learn more about how to reduce gun violence and get involved. Thank you all for listening. I hope to see you out wearing your orange, promoting gun safety in our community, and taking action to move forward so that we truly do come to a time when we are free from gun violence in America. Thank you. Thank you. Item 2B is National Public Works Week. Whereas public works professionals of Iowa City Public Works Department focus on infrastructure, facilities, and services that are of vital importance to a sustainable and resilient community, and to the public health, high quality of life, and well-being of the city of Iowa City. And whereas these infrastructure facilities and services cannot be provided without the dedicated efforts of our public works professionals who are responsible for maintaining, improving, and protecting our transportation. 
water supply, water treatment, and solid waste systems, public buildings, and other structures and facilities essential for our community members. And whereas it is in the public interest for the community members and civic leaders to gain knowledge of and maintain a progressive interest and understanding of the importance of public works and public works programs in Iowa City, and whereas the year 2023 marks the 63rd annual National Public Works Week, sponsored by the American Public Works Association, and whereas the 2023 National Public Works Week theme, Connecting the World Through Public Works, highlights the way public work professionals connect us physically, through infrastructure and inspirationally, through service to our community, whether as first responders or daily workers, carrying out their duties with pride. Now, therefore, I, Bruce Teague, Mayor of Iowa City, do hereby proclaim the week of May 21st through May 27th, 2023, to be National Public Works Week in Iowa City and urge all community members and civic organizations to acquaint themselves with the issues involved in providing our public works and to recognize the substantial contributions which public work professionals make every day to our health, safety, comfort, and quality of life. And receiving this proclamation is Ron Kanoki, our public works director accepting. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Mayor Tegan, Council, good evening. On behalf of the 160 public works professionals in the Iowa City Public Works Department, I'd like to thank you for this National Public Works Week proclamation and your support of the Public Works Department. The dedicated professionals who work in our engineering, equipment, resource management, streets, wastewater, and water divisions exemplify this year's theme, Connecting the World Through Public Works. Whether providing the everyday services made more challenging by material shortages, responding to extreme weather events, or water main breaks, the Public Works Department is ready and here to serve our community. This year we will celebrate the 20th anniversary of the Iowa City Water Treatment Plant and will showcase this facility with an open house this Saturday, May 20th. We invite all community members to stop by between 1 and 3 p.m. for a tour of the water plant at 80 Stephen Atkins Drive. The city will have vehicles from its fleet on display with a touch a truck event, the Iowa City Public Library bookmobile, and games from the public from the Parks and Recreation uh, to help celebrate. Uh, the Public Works Open House event will be the kickoff to National Public Works Week in Iowa City. We look forward to hosting you at the water plant and helping us celebrate the 20th anniversary. Thank Great. you. Great. All right, we're going to move on to our consent agenda items, uh, three through eight. Could I get a motion to approve, please? So move, Taylor. Second, Fergus. All right, anyone from the public like to discuss any item that is on our consent agenda? If you're online, please raise your hand and person come forth. <clears throat> Seeing no one, council discussion? Roll call, please. Harmson? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Alter? 
Yes. Fergus? Yes. Done. Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. We're on to item number nine, which is community comments. This is an opportunity for anyone to come forth on any, um, to talk about anything that is not a topic listed on our agenda. If you're online, please raise your hand. If in person, please come forth. Also, three minutes will be allotted for each individual. We, our clock is not working, um, but we will have our Mayor Pro Tim keeping the time, and once you hear that go off, uh, your time will be up, and I will say thank you, thank you. All right, please come forth. We ask that you state your name and the city you're from. Hi. Welcome. My name is Sherman White, and I'm here uh, from the last meeting that I was here. I think everybody has a copy of this. I, I was here on the May 2nd. I was before this honorable committee to report and examine several improprieties at the shelter house. On January 10th, 2023, this council awarded Shelter House 1.1 million and Chrissy Candinelli, executive director, $100,000 bonus. What were the merits of such a bonus? But Nicole Chaplin still contends there's no funds available for Sherman. Both facilities, 501 and Shelter House, put out more police calls than town and campus and Broadway from anything from racist attacks, drugs, guns, knives, children being housed with abusive parents and pedophiles, male and female prostitution. Mayor Tig and the chief of police can verify this. I was down there this morning and there was like five police calls this morning when I was down there from 10 to 12 o'clock this morning, I was down there. And um, I had a friend that OD'd down there recently at 501 building. And even tonight, if I was to go down there tonight, Mayor, I could smuggle anything into either one of those buildings, gun, knife, drugs, whatever. It, there's, no, there's no checkpoint. There's, there's no check and balance there at all. No one, no one scrutinizes anything. Um, I mean, and, and what is the shelter's house budget? I mean, because everything is donated. Clothes is donated, shoes is donated, transportation is donated, food, cough drops, personal hygiene items, um, um, socks, Tylenol, even aspirins are, are, are donated. And since I was here the last time, I have attempted to, to make contact with the staff at show. Even today, I invited Mrs. Canyonelli to come down here with me. And I, I can't get a hold of anybody. They keep their mail, voicemails full, so I can't get through. This, my, Caseworker John Posey rode by me twice and would not even stop. And he's out there where I was living at, at town and campus, and he would not stop and acknowledge me or, or speak to me about anything that I have been calling him about. 
and I, I document all my calls, all my emails, and everything that I send to these people. Thank you. Okay. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yes. We're going to go online to Tristan. Welcome. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, welcome. You have three minutes. Okay, thank you. Um, I wanted to continue to follow up on uh, the discussions on council on the budget for this fiscal year, uh, this upcoming fiscal year, and uh, comments that have been made by the public about the police budget. Uh, and I just wanted to, again, <clears throat> remind council that uh, they have stated in the past that they needed more information from stakeholders uh, and would potentially make a decision to, uh, in the future going forward, uh, allocate less funding to police. Uh, so I, again, just wanted to, to follow up and uh, keep you aware that you had uh, made that commitment and uh, ask what you've done um, since the vote to approve the budget with the increase in police funding. Uh, you know, who have you reached out to um, in the community? Um, what have you done to educate yourselves? Um, on what information you feel will be enough um, to to make a decision on that? Um, so I, I just would love to, to hear um, from city council. Um, I think as, as public servants, uh, that would be nice to know that you have actually um, taken the many, many, many public comments and emails and letters uh, into consideration and uh, whether you are any more educated or any closer to making a decision on that. So uh, I'll yield the rest of my time, but that's what I had to say today. Thank you. Anyone else? Welcome. Please state your name and city you're from. And there is also a sign in sheet there as well. All right. Um, I also sent some slides. Uh, I don't know if you guys have them. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Hello, my name is David. <clears throat> David Ramutowski, and uh, I live in the east side of Iowa City, uh, 52245, and uh, I'm originally from Alexandria, Virginia. And so this is a picture of my uh, Honda Super Cub. It's my uh, primary form of transportation, and I've been riding for the last uh, four years to get to and from work. Um, I'm currently a PhD student here, and um, I was a master's student at uh, North Carolina State University in Raleigh, and so that's when I started riding. And so I like to say that uh, I don't work to ride, I ride to work. <laughs> and so this is usually where I like to park my bike, right next to the Siemens Center, because I work in civil and environmental engineering, and so I think it's very nice that um, we have uh, parking right next to the building. You know, you can't beat that. <laughs> but uh, lately, uh, there's been a bit of a problem because uh, that parking is very popular. And so on days when the motorcycle parking is full, 
and uh, when the weather's bad, I like to park in the Court Street ramp. And so I noticed recently that you guys installed a new uh, parking system, and so the gates that close over the lane are now, they extend the whole width of the lane, because before I used to be able to drive around the gates. And so particularly from this side, which I think is the Capitol Street side, uh, there's basically only one way out now, which is to go in the entrance lane, which I think is very um, unsafe. And then if you go to the uh, other side of the ramp, you can go out the way that you would ride in, but I think this is also pretty unsafe because you basically have to ride across the sidewalk and it's hard to see over all of the parked cars and everything when you're trying to make that turn. And so um, I tried to email the parking uh, department about this, but I don't think they really understood. And so I just wanted to make you guys aware. And so I think this is important because the cost of the parking permit is $90, but then if I was to drive my uh, car instead, I would end up paying 1,100% more if I stayed for four hours a day, or 2,700% more if I stayed for eight hours, which I don't think is a very sound investment for a, a graduate student. And so to conclude, um, I did a bit of uh, math. And so uh, I found that if I ride my Super Cub for 365 days, uh, round, one round trip a day, I would generate around 52 pounds of CO2. But if I were to drive my car. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Would anyone else like to address this topic or to um, state anything that is not on our agenda? CNO one online or in person. Can I get a motion to accept two correspondence? Well, actually one, because that was a presentation. Well, we'll take that one as well. Two cor two correspondence. So moved. Second. Moved by Alter. Alter, seconded by Your choice. <laughs> Done. All right. All in um, all in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed, motion passes seven to zero. We're at item number 10, planning and zoning matters. 10A is a rezoning, 2640 North Scott Boulevard. Ordinance rezoning approximately 10.26 acres from low density multifamily residential with planned development overlay to OPD RM12 for the purpose of amending the approved plan development overlay plan and sensitive areas development plan. This is second consideration and staff is requesting expedited action. I move that the rule requiring that ordinances must be considered and voted on for passage at two council meetings prior to the meeting at which it is to be finally passed be suspended, that the second consideration and vote be waived, and that the ordinance be voted on for final passage at this time. Second, Thomas. Moved by Taylor, seconded by Thomas. Anyone from the public like to address this topic? Seeing no one in person or online. Council discussion? Roll call, please. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Alter? Yes. Dunn? Yes. Harmson? Yes. Motion passes 7 to 0. Can I get a motion? If I could, Mary, uh, 6 to 0 because Councilor Burgess is recusing. Oh. <laughs> yes. 6 to 0 with one recusal of Councilor Burgess. Um, 
Can I get a motion to pass and adopt? So moved. Second. Moved by Don, seconded by Alter. Roll call, please. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Alter? Yes. Dunn? Yes. Harmson? Yes. Motion passes six to zero. We're on to item 10B, which is rezoning JJR Davis second edition and JJR Davis fourth edition subdivisions located between Mormon Track Boulevard and Dane Road Southeast. And this is a motion for passing and adopting. Can I get a motion, please? So moved, Harmson. Second, Alter. Anyone from the public like to address this topic? All right, seeing four individuals, uh, no one online, will ask that you come sign in um, and state your name and city you're from. There are stickers in the back if you wanted to. Oh, you have your stickers, well, welcome. State your name and city you're from. You'll also have up to three minutes. Great. Uh, thank you, Mary Tig and members of the council. Um, my name is Dennis Mitchell. I'm here uh, once again on behalf of the uh, George Dean Family Trust. Uh, before I get started, once again, I do, do want to thank all of you for all the time that you've spent uh, reviewing the materials, visiting the property, uh, and spending time with the Dean family members to, to try to get a better uh, feel for this. Uh, there are uh, just a few things I'd like to reiterate as to why we believe uh, that the council should deny the uh, pending rezoning request. Uh, first, uh, we believe the uh, current commercial office zoning is much more consistent with the comprehensive plan, including the South Central District Plan and the future land use plan. Uh, than the pro proposed rezoning. Uh, these plans all emphasize the importance of buffers to mitigate uses of different intensities, as well as the importance of parks and public spaces. The current commercial office zoning provides an important buffer uh, in transition from the future park as well as the neighborhood. Uh, second, as noted during prior meetings, uh, there is already land zoned uh, CI1 uh, to the south and west of the subject property. This makes it even more important to maintain the current commercial office zoning and the buffer it provides. Uh, if rezoned, the only access to the future park could be through areas that have very intensive commercial uses. Moreover, with land already zoned in this neighborhood, uh, CI1, it seems premature at best to rezone these parcels before those parcels have, have developed. Finally, uh, no plan was included by the applicants with the rezoning request, and they chose not to hold any good neighbor meetings. Uh, if rezoned, the future use is almost certainly going to be much more intensive uh, than permitted by the current commercial office zone. If the subject area is rezoned, uh, without a plan, it's going to be difficult to limit the impact to the future park area and the neighborhood. For this reason, we believe the application should be denied or at a minimum deferred until a plan has been submitted. Again, the, the Dame Family uh, Trust is not opposed to the development of these parcels. We just firmly believe that the current commercial office uh, zoning uh, provides ample opportunity for development, is much more consistent with the comprehensive plan, uh, as, and is in the best interests of the city of Iowa City. Uh, as Councilor uh, Taylor has noted, there is no other park uh, in Iowa City uh, that has uh, intensive commercial zoning as a neighbor. So, Again, we would urge you to vote against uh, the rezoning request. I appreciate your time and consideration. Thank you. 
Welcome. Please state your name and city you're from. Thank you. Uh, my name is Alp Zora. Uh, I'm an attorney with the Left Law Firm of Iowa City, and I live in Johnson County, Corville to be exact. I'm here today on behalf of the George R. Uh, Dane Family Trust. There have been multiple meetings with lengthy public comment uh, and many pages of materials already submitted. Uh, based on all of this, uh, there are sufficient and legitimate grounds for you to deny the rezoning request. Um, to summarize, and just to summarize, I swear, first, the proposed rezoning is incompatible with the existing neighborhood uh, character. The adjacent land will become a future park. Of this, there's no doubt. Uh, intensive commercial use will impair the park uh, with increased light and noise pollution, among other negative impacts. Multiple council members have already spoken about the need for buffers or conditions being placed on the subject property. This is so because the rezoning's negative impacts on the park uh, and incompatibility with the neighborhood are readily apparent to everyone. Uh, second, the proposed rezoning uh, is not consistent with the comp plan, the district plan, and the par uh, park's master plan. All of these documents emphasize the importance of buffer zones and open green spaces uh, uh, between uh, parks and, uh, or sorry, be between different uh, types of intensive use. The proposed rezoning has no buffer zones and so is not consistent with these plans. Simply put, you have enough grounds here today uh, to deny the rezoning. Additionally, this matter reminds me of the Hickory Hill Estates Project. You know, there the community came together uh, to protect Hickory Hill Park uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, you rejected the initial rezoning application because of a lack of adequate buffer zones uh, between the park and the proposed development area. Uh, and that led to the developer designing a better plan uh, that had better buffer zones. Here, you're faced with a similar situation. The community has come together uh, and voiced uh, its desire to protect the future park. Uh, you've received numerous written communications to that effect and as well as verbal comments. Uh, here, there's a lack of adequate buffer zones uh, as the CI1 land is immediately and directly adjacent to uh, the future park. As you did then, you should now deny the rezoning request. This will not stop economic development. Instead, the developer will have a chance to rethink buffer zones and compatibility with the park. Uh, the end result, just like with Hickory Hill Estates, will be better, more responsible development. Lastly, uh, and uh, Mr. Mitchell mentioned this, uh, there's no proposed project with this rezoning application. Uh, that puts you in a position of an incredible uh, lack of information. At the very least, you should Thank defer you. action. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, good evening, Bob Dane from Iowa City. A couple things in light of what they have said and what was brought up to us at the last meeting. It was suggested that the family should become proactive and maybe establish our own buffer zone in the park property. Two things with that. It wouldn't be ready uh, to soon enough to provide the buffer that uh, you suggested we build. And second of all, the estate plan will not allow us to build a buffer on, on the park property 
in any direction on any side that would block the view that currently exists. Some people involved with this are proactive. The family, we have been proactive all the way through um, Mormon Trek's redevelopment and all the zoning requests that have come forward to the council. The initial Mormon Trek was gonna come along the ridge line. We had the city engineers come out and said, hey, you're gonna have to have a 40-foot cut to match the old grade to Dane Road. They moved it south to its current location, which is a perfect place for it. It's an old right-of-way that was owned by the county. And we have spoke to the council about all the CI1s in the neighborhood around that. In regard to the buffer zone and blocking the views, I spent the last two to three years working on the south fence line to clear the, the volunteer trees that blocked our view to the fairgrounds to the southeast. Billions has also been proactive. They now own all the property from Grace Road, from Grace Drive, all the way around to the White House on Mormon Trek. At the end of the first reading that was approved, they began activity south on the fence line from the farm uh, along Mormon Trek, taking out trees and, and fences. After the second reading, they moved to the parcel in question right now and, re and removed fences and trees on the west side of Dane Road. But nothing has been planned. Nothing has been planned. So I guess my final question is, does the city really want to have a park, have control of the, seven, of the 17 acres to become a park? If not, let the executor know now, and they can begin making other plans to make it available to somebody else. But it was my father's intention for it to be a gift to the city for the use of, that, of the 17 acres. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome, please state your name and city you're from. Good evening, I am Jane Driscoll, the eldest granddaughter of George and Marjorie Dane. And um, I ran across this, and you might recognize it. It's the cover of your comprehensive plan update. And I'll point out a couple things. These types of diagrams, uh, emphasis is placed on the uh, the text that's the biggest, which is got the most votes or the most mentions, and generally uh, the um, constituents are, are participating in that. And I'll just highlight that there are uh, some significant words on here. Walkable, community, people, parks, neighborhoods, bike, and teeny tiny down here is shopping, and uh, some other, like, scale and some other words that are small enough that I can't read them uh, that suggest that maybe those aren't quite as important as what the big letters are that you could probably see from where you're sitting. <clears throat> About 10 days ago, uh, as my uncle mentioned, we heard a noise outside and went out and saw some workers tearing down trees, tearing up fences along the south, uh, or the, the edge of Mormon Trek on the right of way. That was put in by the city when the, when the street was put in. And then they moved over to the neighbor property along Dane Road and proceeded to take out not only the trees that were inland from there, 
but the trees and the fence, uh, fences, the fence along parallel to Dane Road. Now, why would a owner spend money doing that if they didn't have some sort of plan in mind? The suggestion that the, uh, the, the, the applicant has made that, the rel that, that there is no plan, I, I can hardly even speak to it because it's so frustrating, that there's no, there's no plan, that, uh, that uncertainty is there, seems to me um, a valid reason why you could deny this or defer it. All along in this process, we've heard the supposed park, the speculation above park, the maybe park. Well, now that I think everyone is agreed that this is a legal fact that it's gonna be a park, all along it was dismissed, oh, that's not important because we have a property owner that wants to do something, but there's no plan. And now that you know that the park is legal, it is gonna happen, it's a fact, that should create some merit and credibility in your minds. Thank you. And we have nothing on the other side. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else like to speak? Seeing no one in person or online, council discussion. Yeah, I'd like to start out on this one. Um, I have struggled with this proposal from the very beginning. I have, to this point, uh, voted twice to approve the rezoning, albeit uh, I have had some reservations with that. Um, I think council and, and the rest of the public should remember uh, that we made a direction of city staff to include the park uh, in our comp plan update as well as district plan update uh, that is forthcoming. Um, I, I think, though, both in light of my own uh, personal diving into this topic, hearing from the, the community and the family about um, development that is going on or, or, you know, preparing of land for development that is going on on the southern side of the property, um, I, I think that that does call into question um, an important value of ours, which is working with our, our, our community stakeholders, whether that be our developers, our landholders. Uh, we want to work with them in good faith and we want to expect the same thing from them. Um, so so I, I am a bit concerned at this point. Um, I have seen pictures of, of the, the tearing down of the trees, uh, of, of the beginning to work with the land, uh, and I'm again still concerned that the same property owner that, I, I, I believe this is the case, the same property owner that is working on that land not subject to this zoning owns property within the zone, rezoning area. Uh, so you know, again, uh, I, I'm concerned that something bigger may be going on here, uh, and this body has, in the past, made it clear that we have an interest in in, addition, in adding conditions to the zoning proposal. Uh, that is our prerogative, and it is our problem uh, that we have gotten into a uh, procedural situation where that is not currently possible. Um, I don't think that we should ignore uh, the public interest at play here uh, with regard to a future public park, with regard to our ability uh, to listen to uh, the, the folks that own the adjacent property uh, to impose those conditions, something that I will remind the body uh, that they have asked for since the very beginning of this conversation of us. Uh, and, and again, we have gotten ourselves, and I, and I think, again, we're working in good faith with each other. I don't think that was purposeful or deliberate. I think that it was a genuine mistake. I was surprised by the fact that we weren't able to do anything at that point. 
Um, so I, I want to share a little bit of my personal philosophy with what I'm going to propose here. Uh, and I think that credit is due uh, to Councillor Thomas on this because this is uh, something that has developed uh, out of our personal conversations. And I really do believe in it. Um, I, I think that in all of our zoning decisions, we have the ability to create winners and losers. Um, at the same time, we have the ability to try to make the best possible situation for everyone in our community in all those zoning decisions. And that's kind of what I try to go towards uh, when I'm thinking about my decision-making process. Um, so I think it's our prerogative uh, to, at least me personally, uh, make sure that we don't have winners and losers here. Uh, make sure that everyone can, if we're going to pass this, which it may seem as though we may, uh, that we can do some of the um, the conditions that were requested, uh, or, or have at least have that conversation. We've not even had the conversation uh, about what conditions were requested by the adjacent property owners. I want to have that conversation. Um, and I want to actually be able to do something about it and, and understand the, the ramifications of those decisions. Um, so at this point, um, I, I do believe that we made an oversight uh, procedurally uh, in moving forward without uh, conditions. And I, I would like to ask if the, the property representative is present to answer some questions. Is the property representative present? John Marner with MMS Consultants, uh, <clears throat> representing the developer as best as possible to try to address questions. So there is questions. a developer. Hmm? So there is a developer? The, the owner. The owner. Applicant. Okay, the applicant. Okay. Correct. So are, are you aware of what's going on with the adjacent properties to the south? With respect to the, the fence clearing or the fences yeah. and the tree clearing? Yeah, I'm sorry. I feel like I need to intervene yeah, uh, on a couple of scores. One, uh, I don't think it's legally appropriate to talk about what's going on on property that is not subject to this rezoning unless it bears direct result or impact on, on this property. And so I, I don't think we should ask sure. uh, this gentleman about that. Furthermore, there's been discussion both from uh, members of the public and from council about uh, the absence of a plan and so forth. I just want to be clear that that is fine. They can uh, they can apply for rezoning without a plan. We cannot require them to come forth with a project and so forth, and it would be an inappropriate uh, reason to deny the rezoning uh, just because a project plan has not been put forth. Mm -hmm. That's all. So, so um, I think then we're, we're good with you, but thank you very much for answering. Thank you. Um, I, I guess my, my concern then comes less from, of course, we can't uh, require them to present a plan, but the fact that we have been told in the past that no such plan exists and that we can observe that development is going on in the area. And I know that that is not in and of itself a reason to deny, and I would not vote to do so. Um, but it does raise some questions that I have. Uh, so my proposal to the body is to allow us to kind of figure out uh, the situation with regard to conditions. Uh, to understand, uh, to better understand what the uh, conditions requested by the adjacent property owners would be, uh, to give those considerations proper consideration, uh, and to look into expand or look into opening the legal process that would be required to impose those conditions. Um, and to that end, I would request a deferment. 
uh, of this uh, until that can be completed. Um, I don't see, again, this as a reason to deny uh, the rezoning. And at this point, I'm not saying that I, I would vote to deny the rezoning. Um, but I do think that we have an obligation, at least me personally, I feel as though we have an obligation to try to make the best situation for everyone. Uh, that means uh, for the adjacent property owners, that means being able to address the situation holistically. And I think that we have um, inadvertently procedurally tied our hands in that way. So um, my advocacy is going to be for a deferral. I want to ask, um, the, the council did have this discussion on we, we lost the ability to do some you know, some conditions. And then we ha asked for our staff, Danielle, to come forth and tell us, like, in light of the procedural, <laughs> uh, you know, pickle that we found ourselves in, you know, h how does some of our desired needs that, you know, the um, community has mentioned, you know, can play out? And to my knowledge, um, the staff took clear heed on what this council direction was, as well as the just the, 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 the code itself, the things that they would have to um, do is already there. And so I hear the request for the deferment, but I do feel like we've already fleshed out that. And I, at that moment, I believe this count, the majority of this council felt comfortable with that. And so for me, you know, I, I do hear the need and I agree that it's something that we want to make sure moving forward that there's not um, institutional memory loss, but there's also things within the code that will just meet some of those standards. So for me, I'm going to be supporting um, this rezoning keep, while keeping in mind that the things that the community that you just mentioned uh, that they want and want, um, it may not be all the way there, right? But the, the elements of making sure to the best of the ability to be a good neighbor is there, and so I'll be supporting this. May I ask a couple of questions, and one I think is for Eric and the other maybe for Danielle. Um, so my understanding is that if this goes forward and it's rezoned, or if it doesn't and it's commercial, whatever, at the time, no, let's go with if it is, to to the proposed thing, that at the time that a developer may come forward, that that's the time that we, that there are conditions that come in for particular kinds of use, right? Like the intensive automotive. That would be when we can talk about conditions and or that there are conditions already built into the code for certain types of use. You say, you see, I'm like once to you and once to Danielle. Yeah, no, I do. And I think it's mostly as to the latter. That okay. is, we're talking about a major site plan review. Right. And as I mentioned previously, uh, it would be hard to imagine a development here that would not qualify as a major site plan as opposed to a minor site plan development. And therein, um, uh, in city code already, there is any number of uh, requirements that are built right. in there. And we've already received, we staff have already received guidance from you that you know, if there's any kind of discretion, uh, for at least for developments that are on Dane, uh, bordering on Dane Road, in my memory that was one of the conditions that you folks were interested in, that uh, you know we be uh, exceedingly careful and uh, respectful of the future use of the Dane Family Trust property as a park. Thank you. Sure. 
Yeah, just refresh my memory because it seemed to me that, like, with that, like, intensive automotive, that there were already things built into. So, Eric, do you want to talk about what's appropriate with rezoning for conditions as far as the timing of conditions? There are no conditions on a site site plan. It's an administrative okay. review uh, done by staff to code with very specific criteria in the code. But knowing the direction we got on the last meeting regarding this topic, that's also a part of this now. I don't know if your question about when to place a condition is still a question. No. Well, the other part of it, I'm sorry, and I, forgot, I should have mentioned this earlier, was that if any, the neighborhood and, and development uh, director, services director uh, under code is empowered to send any major uh, site plan to planning and zoning, again, not council, planning and zoning, uh, for their review. And again, for any development that's going to be bordering on Dane, the understanding from staff was that uh, either Tracy Haichu or her successor, uh, whoever um, is in that position at that time, would send it to planning and zoning to make sure there was good public uh, input and transparency okay. about that. And I think, Mayor Potem, maybe what you were referring to was within the code, sorry, Daniel, I apologize, <laughs> we may need you still, um, that there are use-based yes. requirements, sure. right? There are certain uses that then trigger for example, different kinds of buffering in that. Some some of the things that are reviewed during site plan are uh, triggered by either a zoning district or they're triggered by an element of the site. So parking areas, regardless of the zoning district, have <coughs> screening standards, and those screening standards are a certain level of screening, and it may it's more to do with what it's next to than the zoning district. Mm -hmm. um, so there are standards that are kind of a mixed bag of what triggers what, but they they definitely are in the site plan review criteria very clearly to follow. That, thank you for the... Yeah, I just recalling our last language. conversation. Yes. Yeah, it's not a condition that we are imposing. It's already right. in the code. Thank you. That's exactly what I was... I, so I, 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 sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. I was just going to kind of harken back to, you know, the last couple of meetings that we've had. I, I do just harbor... I, I mean, first of all, I think we are we have acknowledged that this will be a park and I appreciate the care with which that has been reiterated so that we you know that we're not equivocating on whether it will be a park whether it is the natural heritage foundation or the city or whoever or the county whoever is managing it we understand that it will be a legal reality that it is a park where I harbor reservations in turning down the zoning in this particular case is that you know there there is just a half of maybe the smallest border of this piece of land that abuts the property that we're actually talking about that is the the Dane family trust property and so I I just think it um it sets a really difficult precedent if we're saying we can't rely on the standards that are already in the code as far as screening and buffering, and we can't rely on the direction that we've given our staff, and we can't rely on other legal protections like nuisances that give adjacent property owners the ability to say, hey, what you're doing on your property is causing a problem for me. We have recourse for all of, you know, at, at sort of all of those stages. If we turn it down, even with all of those things in place, I just I think that's setting a precedent that I'm not comfortable setting. So I very much appreciate the family's concerns, and I know it's the other part of the family that owns, you know, the property that we're talking about to be rezoned, as well as the um, immediately to the north. 
So it's it's a complicated situation, and we've spoken to that this is not you know a super straightforward decision. But I just wanted to reiterate some of the reasons why I'm not comfortable saying no to this rezoning with everything that we've discussed. Well, I, I certainly appreciate Councillor Dunn's um, concerns, and you know I think I myself have expressed uh, how. Uh, you know, particularly with the CI1 zoning category, which is kind of one step below industrial zoning, um, and in, in the code references the in effect that fact that uh, there are there's a need for special consideration with respect to the impacts generated by a project that's CI, CI1 zoning, and. Given, given that as, as a starting point, it certainly seems to me, you know, as a counselor, I have, it's difficult to be able to effectively respond to what those special needs may be with respect to the buffering of potential impacts. I'm not, I'm not opposed to the C1, CI1 zoning. Um, you know, I'm, there, I'm sure it's a, it's a grab bag of, um, of land uses that are allowed under CI1. That, that in, in some ways, is why it's so difficult to predict what the outcome may be. Um, some may be very benign, and others may have a significant impact. We just don't know. And so I am, I'm drawn to the idea of deferring. I'm not opposed to the rezoning of CI1, but I, I do feel that a deferral um, may help us in being able to, to better understand how we can address this interface uh, that the rezoning would generate and come up with the most effective remedies. I just want to um, thank Councillor Burgess for enumerating the, the, the protections that are already there as well as um, honestly a trust in our staff to be able to, um, you know, work through the codes um, as they are written and to, to understand as well that there there are some recourses as far as nuisance laws um, and so um, she did a much better job of enumerating those but um, I have to agree that at the same time I, my heart is with the park I do believe and I know that and I'm incredibly happy that the park is is a reality it's it is there, it's going to happen. Um, but it is one portion of land that all surrounding it is already zoned. Um, and as far as you know, as as Eric pointed out, you don't have to have a plan to have this rezoned. Um, and so, as as complicated and as emotional, uh, truly for me. As this has been, I also am very hesitant. Laura talked about it in terms of cert certain precedents um, that are already in place that we would be bucking. But I also think that from a really macro view, um, there are so many components that we would have to play twister to be able to say as a council, we need to not attend to those pieces that are already in place to appropriately make sure this land is um, 
to use this land appropriately while respecting adjacent land. I don't think that as a council, as a body, that we should become this granular in, in, in dictating exactly what should be happening with a particular piece of land. That's, I, so I, I will still be supporting this motion. Well, the two previous votes, I've made my position quite clear. Uh, it's obvious uh, uh, how I feel about this. And as was mentioned, the one major uh, thing that I keep stressing is that we have so many parks, and parks are important in our community, and not a one of them is bordered by intensive uh, commercial. And I just think that that's a bad precedent to set, uh, and it's just not a good thing. And uh, I'm a, saddened to hear that we can't require a plan because I, I, I do have a problem with understanding that. Um, it, it seems so open-ended and un unpredictable to me. And um, I mean, I'll liken it to going into a voting booth. You certainly wouldn't go into a voting booth and check the box that uh, says unknown. You, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't go to a restaurant and order something from menu that says unknown or uncertain. So why on earth with something important like this would we go into this and vote on something that's that's unknown? We don't know what it's going to be or how compatible or not compatible it's going to be with this this surrounding beautiful green space that's being given to us. So I'm, I'm again going to be uh, voting against it uh, as far as uh, uh, Councillor Dunn's motion to defer, if it would help us to um, move along with this and, and find an effective um, answer to this uh, that's compatible with, with all priorities involved, I, I would go along with that. I get Go right ahead. I just want to interject before uh, Councillor Harmson has an opportunity to speak. I'm sorry, that came off wrong. I don't want to. You know. <laughs> um, You're good. Uh, thanks. Uh, what I wanted to say was this. I can imagine um, a council conversation about the kind of steps the council can take in order to buffer or shield uh, properties uh, such as the trust uh, property that um, you know will be future parks and so forth. I, I could see the value in that. However, I'm struggling to see the value of a deferral here in that even if council has this discussion and comes with a laundry list of conditions, I'm not sure to what vehicle you would um, adhere them. Um, that is, uh, as we discussed earlier, the conditional zoning agreement, you know, is, is gone with the closure of the uh, public hearing. Um, uh, I'm not sure how we would impose conditions other than the conditions already required by uh, ordinance in the major site plan review. But if you were to come up with a bunch of uh, different um, things, all of which would have merit, uh, I'm not sure what we would do with that information. And so I want to make sure that if council wishes to defer, that you would recognize that you might spend some time coming up with what would otherwise be a highly merited list, but I'm not sure what you would do with it. So I don't want to uh, allow council to uh, retain hope that you can impose that uh, a list of conditions at any point in the future. May I say it? Sure. Yeah, I, I think, you know, even if we chose not to go with a conditional zoning uh, agreement as a, as a vector for getting these conditions, a deferral would give us time to better understand the protections that exist as they are. 
in a more detailed capacity, uh, as well as you know, understand what the potential desires of the uh, adjacent landowners are, um, and you know, we could potentially address those things by changing the building code, as I understand, changing the building code or changing the zoning code. Well, the building code doesn't really relate to the kind of topics that we're uh, discussing. Uh, zoning code. Uh, could, but unless you impose a moratorium, which we have not done and, and I don't think would be appropriate, certainly at this stage of the proceedings, having already voted yes two times, um, it's not, I, don't, I don't really know that either of those changes would be on the menu. And why not? Well, do you want me to follow up on the building code? Do you understand that? Uh, well, so I'm, really what I'm trying to say is, you know, the, the uh, protections that everyone is talking about already existing. You know, sorry for my ignorance for where those come from or what those are. Um, but again, acknowledging that I am ignorant to what those things are, um, what would prevent us from during a deferral, uh, you know, amending that to ensure that we are satisfied with with protections? Well, I think the answer is because I don't think you can impose a moratorium at this stage of the proceedings is a short answer. Um, and uh, I think that's what would be required for you to uh, kind of move the goalpost, so to speak, in the middle of the game or two-thirds of the way through the game. Um, so I, I don't think that's an option available to council. Again, let me be clear, I can imagine the value of that conversation on a broader scale. And I know that there's been discussion by council about um, you know, having staff go ahead and move forward with the uh, district plan uh, amendment as part of the broader comp plan um, review uh, and to view the George Dane uh, Trust property as uh, public. Um, and, and that's all already in the works. Um, it's just the, you know, kind of things that we're talking about tonight, I think, that are um, legally problematic. I don't know how much this is weighing into um, my colleagues' decision-making, but I, I was just curious about the idea of the adjacency of different zoning to parks. So just from pulling up the zoning map while we've been speaking this evening, there is CI1 adjacent to Napoleon Park. There is industrial uh, adjacent to Meskwaki Park and Sturgis Ferry Park and immediately across the road from Ryerson's Woods and the Johnson County Fairgrounds. So that's just a, just from looking at one place that is closest to this proposal, I think having high intensity uses adjacent to parks is not something that we don't have. Yeah, I think you, I was gonna comment on that because I think it's important to, to point that out. We do have very high intensity uses next to Actually, some of our, our most beloved parks, if you think about uh, Terry Trueblood Recreation Area, to the north of that sits our public works campus. That would be, um, if it not zoned public, would be an industrial type of uh, zoning. Um, uh, across the street from that same park, you have S&G materials, um, which would definitely be an industrial type of use. You even have industrial next to Mercer Park across the railroad tracks. You have an industrial um, that will be adjacent to the future east side sports complex that's been planned. And then you also have what would be industrial next to Waterworks Prairie Park and Kicker Soccer Park in our wastewater plant and our, and our water uh, treatment facility. Uh, and you have a lot of other, you know, heavy, what I would consider intense uses right next to parks, right? I-80 goes by a number of, of our parks, uh, including some of our kind of natural areas, Waterworks Prairie Park, Hunter, Hunter's Run Park is along 280. So um, 
par parks can um, exist next to intensive uses and still be very much enjoyed <coughs> and um, heavily used by the community. I don't have a whole lot more to add. I think that uh, uh, Councilors Burgess and Alter sort of gave us a nice recap of what we've already discussed in previous meetings, and and uh, you know uh, what I said in previous meetings. I have nothing nothing really to add to that. Okay, so I've not really. I mean, I've heard talk about a possible proposal for deferment, but I haven't heard a, a motion for deferment. I will move. So moved by Don. Claire, do you, uh, deferring to a date certain, do you have a date? Uh, def let, let's, let's say, you know, uh, two meetings prior, next. The next, uh, not next meeting, but the meeting next. Whatever that would be. So that is. I'll second that. Moved by Don, seconded by June uh, Thomas. Okay. To June 20th, for the record. On, I think we'll just do roll call, please. And this is for the deferment. Sure. Uh, until June twentieth. All right. So no need for council discussion on that motion. Okay. Uh, council discussion. So, well, one thing I, I would I would say is you know just in listening, I, I think it is interesting to hear that there are in fact um, <clears throat> parks in Iowa City which are adjacent to uh, CI one. Um, one potential use of of the deferment would, in my mind, um, be looking at those those sites and trying to get an understanding of how that that adjacency has been addressed to ensure the the impacts of that zoning um, have been mitigated, um, so that the park experience is is um, left whole. Um, you know, I'm a strong supporter of looking at existing, at, at precedents of examples of where you have the interface similar to what we're talking about now, um, which could help inform the process uh, that, that we're looking at being in place should we support the rezoning. I just, like, oh, go ahead. I just wanted to give a procedural. Um, I just clarified, so this is going to be a vote for the deferment until June 20th. Uh, if that passes, then it will be deferred until June 20th. If it fails, then the original motion to pass and adopt, we would vote on that. So I just wanted to let people know what that procedure will look like. Any other comments? So I guess one of my questions is in the years, you know, to, to press a pause, to be able to learn more about what kinds of conditions, not ones that we would impose, but ones that already accompany certain uses, right? Is that what, I mean, that's. I mean, that's what John just said. Okay. Well, I, I certainly I understood when you're talking about the adjacency of how these existing parks mitigated that or right. what, how what they became the, good neighbors to one another. What was the relationship between mm -hmm. these the, the park use and the CI1 use, whatever right. that may be? And then I thought I understood, and so correct me if I'm wrong, that, that you were interested in, in getting more clarity about what the certain types of uses of buildings, what the accompanying conditions 
already in the code are. Yes. Such as like, you know, I mean, I'm remembering from a couple of years before I was actually on council, but um, the area where Paul's is or was, and now it's Harbor Freight, that um, there wasn't enough light shelter, right, that it was coming over. So it's things like that. So you want to pause to be able to find out more about what those types of things are. Yeah, pause, pause to find out more about those things, being able to present those to our adjacent property owners, whether or not we're going to vote it up or down. I don't think... Um, and what I, I would make it very clear that a, that in my deferral is not an indication of uh, a lack of support. I just think that it's we, we should do a duty um, when we have procedurally tied ourselves from being able to look into this, or pardon me, being able to you know add conditions um, that I would personally support. Um, I, I think it behooves us to to you know not take that opportunity. And again, it's not an it's not a yes or no to the actual no. proposal. It just gives us some time to go into this yeah. just a little bit deeper. Yeah, I just I recall Danielle actually I think it was at our one of these meetings, first. talking maybe that was the first one. Thank you, about what the conditions the built-ins were for code when it was heavy, uh, presumably a car lot, essentially since we were looking at neighboring businesses and so. Um, and I'd just like to add, that's something we do as staff on a daily basis. People call and they ask questions about what might happen on this property next to us. We walk through the code and we can explain those code provisions. It doesn't necessarily have to be done at this table if it's not going to and it really can't influence your vote. Um, we're happy to do that with any, any property owner in town. Are we ready for a vote? Roll call, please. Motion to defer, correct. Motion to Motion defer. Motion to defer. Right. Teague? No. Thomas? Yes. Alter? No. Burgess? No. Dunn? Yes. Harmson? No. Taylor? Yes. Motion fails four to three. We're on to motion to pass and adopt. Any more further comments? Roll call, please. Thomas? No. Alter? Yes. Burgess? Yes. Dunn? No. Harmson? Yes. Taylor? No. Teague? Yes. Motion passes four to three. And I want to thank everybody for coming out for this item. We're going to move on to 11A, um, which is a transit funding application. This is a resolution authorizing the filing of an application with the Iowa Department of Transportation for fiscal year 2024 state transit assistance and federal transit administration funding. I'm gonna open the public hearing and I'm gonna invite Darian back up. Well, from earlier. <laughs> Good evening, Mayor, Council. Welcome again. Um, I first wanted to let you know that uh, and make you aware that there are updated funding numbers in a late handout. So please draw your attention towards that. Um, the resolution before you tonight is for a, our consolidated transit funding application. It is an annual application filed with the Iowa Department of Transportation, listing all the capital and operating expenses for which the city seeks funding um, from the Iowa DOT and the Federal Transit Administration. The projects contained in the application have been programmed into the Iowa City Transit for FTA Section 5307, 5310, and 5339 funding for FY24. 
The projects will be included in the FY24 Iowa DOT Consolidated Transit Funding Application and the MPO um, JC, the Metropolitan Planning Organization of Johnson County's um, Transportation Improvement Program. Iowa City Transit may not seek funding for all of these projects. However, these projects need to be in, uh, listed in this document in order to become eligible for federal funding. The total amount of the projects, uh, the funding being requested is approximately 30 million. Um, Specifically, the specific allocations are for state transit assistance program. Um, we're requesting $692,000 for federal operating assistance for transit. That's our 5307 funding. It's $2.95 million for federal funds for transit in non-urbanized areas or for transit serving primarily elderly persons or persons with disabilities. This goes to help support our Johnson County seats on paratransit services. The funding request is $177,000. And last but not least, the statewide federal capital assistance for transit, which would be 5339 funding, which would come through grant awards, um, would be approximately $30 million. These funds include all of the capital projects that Iowa City Transit wishes to see funded. So this includes replacement and relocation of the transit facility. That's a, that's a, a big ticket item. Um, electric bus replacements and bus shelters. And typically a uh, local match is required um, for, for any of those federal funding awards. Any questions? Karen, I do have to ask on the late handout. I just want to make sure I'm I'm understanding. <clears throat> In the first paragraph, there's a summary, and it says the um, last sentence: the total amount of funds being requested in the funding application is approximately, and then there's the number replacement, and that should be the sum of all of these, or just the because it looks like that's just the statewide federal capital assistance. Should that be like 34 million instead of 30? So you're correct. So the total funding, that would should probably read to be accurate, the the funding request for the the competitive grant funding okay. applications is really what that should read. You're okay. correct. So in total, the total would be the $30 million, which is the competitive grant funding um, request um, or the eligibility for federal grant funding. And then you're correct. The 690 that would be in addition to the 692,000 for state transit assistant, the 2.9 million Got for it. our federal operating, and then the 177 for 5310. Thank you. Yes. Thank and I will say, that. as my fourth entering the fourth year and serving on NPO, also it's all finally making sense. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to that in three. <laughs> all right. Thank, thank you. you. Anyone from the public like to address this topic? Please come forth. Say no one online or in person. I'm going to close the public hearing. Can I get a motion to approve, please? And, and so just, well, I'm sorry to interrupt. Just so we're clear, we're talking about approving the uh, revised resolution that it was in the late handout. Just so we're clear for the public. Yes. Updated numbers. So moved, Harmson. Second, Burgess. Council discussion. Roll call, please. Alter. Yes. Burgess? Yes. Dunn? Yes. Harmson? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Motion passes 7 to 0. Item number 11B, utility rate public hearing, ordinance amending Title III, entitled City Finances, Taxation and Fees, Chapter 4, entitled Schedule of Fees, Rates, 
charges, bonds, fines, and penalties of the city code to increase or change charges and fees. Could I get a motion to pass and adopt? So moved, done. Second, Alter. Anyone from the public like to address this topic? Saying no one online or in person, council discussion. Roll call, please. Burgess? Yes. Dunn? Yes. Harmson? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Alter? Yes. Motion passes 7 to 0. Item 11C, solid waste services fees, resolution adopting the fees for solid waste services for items left on the public right of way, and rescinding resolution number 10 138. Can I get a motion to approve, please? So moved, Burgess. Second, Alter. All right, and we're going to bring up Ron. Welcome. Good evening. Uh, this is a resolution that is adjusting our 24-hour tag procedure fees. Um, these fees have not been adjusted since 2010. Um, so the for the kind of the minimum charge would increase from $70.50 to $76.50. Um, this does not include the charge for the actual item. So if they if they would leave a appliance, a, a mattress, there's also a $20 charge that would be a, a part of that 24-hour uh, tag piece. So. This is just the fees for our staff to go out and pick it up. So if if, you, if they don't call in and, and schedule a pickup, it's observed on the right of way, it's tagged, our fee is, is increased by $6 for that process. And it goes to whoever the property owner is listed? Correct. Okay. All right, any other questions or comments? Thank well, you. questions. Thank you. Anyone from the public like to address this topic? Seeing no one in person or online, council discussion. Roll call, please. Dunn? Yes. Harmson? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Alter? Yes. Burgess? Yes. Motion passes 7 to 0. Item 12 is announcements of vacancies new. 12A <clears throat> is the ad hoc. Truth and Reconciliation Commission to vacancies to fill unexpired terms upon appointment through December 31st, 2024. Council correspondence included council packet um, Traore resigned during the item 9C of the May 2nd, 2023 City Council meeting. Human Rights Commission one vacancy to fill an unexpired term upon appointment through December 31st, 2025. Correspondence included in council packet. Can I get a motion to accept correspondence? So moved, Taylor. Second, Alter. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes seven to zero. Um, announcements of vacancies previous. Airport 13A, Airport Commission, one vacancy to fill a four year term. Community Police Review Board. One vacancy to fill a four-year term. Historic Preservation Commission at large. Two vacancies to fill a three-year term. Historic Preservation Commission Longfellow. One vacancy to fill a three-year term. Historic Preservation Commission Northside. One vacancy to fill a three-year term. Housing and Community Development Commission. Three vacancies to fill a three-year term. Library Board of Trustees. Two vacancies to fill a six-year term. Planning and Zoning Commission, two vacancies to fill five-year terms. Planning and Zoning Commission, one vacancy to fill an unexpired term upon appointment. Uh, Public Art Advisory Committee, 
two vacancies, one at large and one art or design professional to fill three your terms. Applications must be received by 5 p.m. Tuesday, May 30th, 2023. Historic Preservation Commission, East College Street. One vacancy to fill an unexpired term. Historic Preservation Commission, Jefferson Street. One vacancy to fill a three-year term. Historic Preservation Commission, Woodlawn Avenue. One vacancy to fill an unexpired term. Vacancies will remain open until filled. We're at item number 14, City Council Information. I just have a small piece um, that two weekends ago, there was a great 5K in the riverfront crossings of Girls on the Run, which is um, wonderful national nonprofit that has a really strong local um, Iowa contingent. And uh, it's for girls um, from grades three through eight, where they undergo um, I think roughly eight weeks of training, six weeks to eight weeks of training to run and or walk a 5K, but along with it, it's about um, confidence building, collaboration, um, self-esteem, and it is pretty freaking spectacular to have seen all of those girls and their run buddies and families. The energy was fantastic, and it's a fantastic place to hold the 5K. Um, so I just give a big shout out to that organization here in eastern Iowa. They had a great representation through the Iowa City School District. And um, just congratulations to all the girls and their families who, and friends who attended and ran. Congrats to all of our University of Iowa graduates uh, who graduated just over the last weekend. So if they're watching, well done. I'm sure they, I'm sure they are. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> you can give our regards. <laughs> Graduation requirement. All right. Uh, we'll move on to item number 15. Report on items from city staff, city manager's office. Nothing tonight. Our city attorney. Nothing for me. Thank you. And acting in the role as our city clerk. Nothing for me. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for all you've done to for this meeting. Yes. Yes. Item number 16, adjournment. Can I get a motion, please? So moved. Second. Moved by Taylor, seconded by Burgess. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes. We are adjourned.